0: on the wrestling podcast about nothing the kingpin made some calls and we've got a good one on the week of roh's 17th anniversary event we've got former ring of honor owner and current roh ambassador carrie silken on the
1: show i don't think our fans quite know what they're in store for with this one this is a great interview
0: no absolutely fantastic stay tuned for it plus your promo about nothing and so much more but first tell him, george
2: I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing.
3: Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one.
2: Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia?
3: This is the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing.
2: Nothing?
0: Nothing. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 151, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. Now, he is a contracted Ring of Honor wrestler. He is Mr. Inside Edition. He is the bouncer. He is brawl for all Brian Malones.
1: Brawl for all?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to go with the brawler thing, pen. I'm working on the kinks here. <laughs> keep working is that what you're saying
1: yeah go back to the drawing board <laughs> okay
0: well brian you mentioned it off the top uh a couple weeks ago at this point we spoke to carrie silk and let's pull back the curtain here and uh yeah very good interview that we're going to go to in just a second during this interview you kind of revealed something that at the time was news yes well, I don't think we will reveal it here. Well, well, it's already been revealed. With the anyway, you went you went on Mike Mills' podcast, booking the territory, and scooped yourself essentially, I,
1: right? I guess yes, I guess.
0: All right. Well, we'll we'll get to the interview with Carrie. And are you, just,
1: are you upset? Is Mike getting upset?
0: Uh, we'll we'll talk about it after we uh, hear from Carrie. But before we do that. I guess we'll talk about com, where you can get all the latest and greatest apparel regarding the kingpin, the brawler Brian Malonis.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and we're at a point here where, uh, you know, if you are heading to the big city in, in a few weeks, you could order yourself a great t-shirt from com and have it in time to uh, wear around New York City. Just saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, you want to really show off your fandom for the brawler Brian Malonis.
1: Exactly.
0: All right, so go to brianmalonis.com for all of the uh, T-shirts and go to the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com for everything you need to know about the wrestling podcast about nothing. You can find ways to subscribe to the podcast, all the different podcast platforms. You can just go over there nice and easy. Just hit subscribe and all the social media links are there as well. We are basically at the WPAN on all social media platforms. Plus, we have bios, we have photos Anything you want to know about the WPAN is there at the thewpan.com.
1: All pictures fully clothed. Yes, so
0: don't worry. All right, let's go to it. Worry? What are you talking about, worry? <laughs> well, you know.
1: Speak for yourself.
0: <laughs> Speak for yourself. All right, King P, we've held off long enough. Let's get to the big interview we are being joined by the former owner of ring of honor wrestling but you'll still find him at roh shows where he acts as the ring of honor ambassador and i'm sure you'll be finding him in new york city on april 6th when ring of honor brings g1 supercard to madison square garden
3: this is carrie Silkin. hello carrie not only do I act as a Ring of Honor ambassador, Mike, I am the Ring of Honor <laughs> uh, doing some ambassador. What's the correct? Come on, Brian, have a, uh, ambassadorial work. <laughs> Whatever. I'll be acting as the ambassador. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Getting bullied by Bully Ray. Yes,
3: not only in Madison Square Garden but in Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll be in. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, being in Vegas with you.
3: Yeah, that'll be fun. So yeah, uh you could find me at these shows and uh, it's always a pleasure. Can't believe we're going to Madison Square Garden. Imagine this shit. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Did you go to MSG a lot as a, as a kid? Oh yeah, you know, see they had blue laws. First of all, I got to ask you a question. Do you know what a blue law is?
1: No. I I I do. It's like a uh like a tough to enforce like kind of nothing law.
3: Or it's like, where do you live? Massachusetts, right?
1: Right, yeah. So they like you should not sell alcohol on Sunday.
3: Thank you. So in New York, the New York State, the fabulous New York State Athletic Commission, had um, some very strict blue laws for pro wrestling and boxing. And you had to be 14 years old, supposedly, to attend the shows at the Garden. They didn't enforce it in these small buildings. But at the Garden, they did. They also had blue laws against girls matches and gimmick matches like cage matches or shame matches and masked wrestlers also. That's why you didn't see any of the great mask wrestlers till these blue laws were passed. Anyway, for my 14, it was the 14 year old was the age limit. So I was begging, begging my dad who didn't like pro wrestling. He <laughs> liked real sports. You know, go to Yankee Stadium go to a Nick game, go to a Ranger game, no sweat. Uh, and he was a bartender. So he used to get tickets now and then from these liquor distributors. And he was a solid sports fan, but he didn't like wrestling. But uh, he was a good dad. Anyway, so for my 14th birthday, my first garden show, wasn't my first wrestling show, but my first garden show was um, Pedro Morales. You know, he was the, he'd been the champ for about nine months. Against my favorite, my favorite heel who was in his last run at like 52, 53 years old, Freddie Blassie. And that was so awesome, you know, to be at the Garden for the Blassie-Morales match. And it was like a night, you know, same as Boston probably at the time. It was like 80% Latin, you know, Latino crowd. And I'm cheering for Blasi. <laughs> my father grabs me by the by my pants. Literally, <laughs> he says, "Sit down! You're going to get us killed here." <laughs> but, but yeah, so I I went a lot. You know, after that, I used to go with my cousin Mike. He was uh, four years older than me. We would go into the city. I lived in New Jersey. It was like forty-five minute ride to Manhattan. So we would go almost every month. This is through the seventies into the into the eighties. So I got to see the Morales era, the Bruno comeback era, the Billy Graham era, and then a the horrible Backlund.
1: Right? <laughs> Not a fan of Bob
3: Backlund. <laughs> well, he's okay. If he was against the right opponent, it was good. You know, Pat Patterson matches were good. Sergeant Slaughter, Greg Valentine was okay, but you know, they would stick him in there with Swede Hansen or, uh, one of the Samoans, and you know, and uh, they weren't that good. And then, of course, the Hogan era. I was at WrestleMania one.
1: Oh, you actually, you so you were, you're were in attendance for WrestleMania one.
3: I. I was in attendance. This is a whole podcast to itself. All right. Because <laughs> I went with my friend, rest in peace, my friend Cosmo. His real name was Harry, and he was a classic character. He was a he was a photographer, he's a really cool guy. We used to party. And go there, party, you want to call it a party. Uh, We we were flying high. And go there and um, don't do this, boys and girls. It's dangerous. This was a different era, though. So (laughs) WrestleMania was a matinee. You know, it was a daytime card. And we didn't have much money. And we didn't have any tickets either. So the day of the show, Harry lived in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is right across from the city. So I go to his place. We take the train right in, bang. I knew a little bit about the street ticket business, not a lot, but a little. So I'm like, "Look, we'll try to pick up a couple seats, even if we could get a couple of singles, just to try to get in." And you know, you've heard the expression about a guy who can't get laid. He's got a he got a hundred dollar bill sticking out of his pocket in a yes. whorehouse, and he can't get laid. <laughs> well, there's a guy on the corner of 31st and Seventh with a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> and none of the scalpers, you know, there were no seats around. They all got bought out. You know, they were all bought. All those street tickets were just, and it's like, we're not going to get in. So we're walking around. I'm like, who's selling tickets? Who's selling tickets? This guy gets out of a cab. And he's like, I got one. I'm like, how much? He says, give me what I paid. You know, it was like 20 bucks. Okay. So now we had one ticket, right? Couldn't find a second seat. And Harry's looking at me. I'm like, don't worry. I got this. I think I got it. Well, at the time at MSG, and I'm sure at Boston Garden, the old ticket takers, the guys that ripped the tickets, they were looking for money. They were looking. (laughs) I remember going one time to a, the hell was it it was like it was a concert i didn't even want to go to like bad company and sticks oh wow
1: there we Not go the worst
3: concert in the world but whatever
1: what a reference
3: <laughs> I, I was more of a pink floyd led zeppelin jethro Tull guy anyway i still am but so we go to this concert and this guy is ties into the wrestlemania story for whatever reason that was a big ticket that night and this guy says you guys looking to get in?" i'm like yeah he goes it's gonna cost you 10 bucks But once you get in the door, you're on your own. I'm like, well, where's the ticket? The guy's like, well, we're spinning the gate. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Well, this guy had a hookup with the usher. He he, he waited until he had like 10 people. So he walks the 10 of us up to this one turnstile. You know, there's like seven guys and everyone's going in. He's like, go, 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 go. So once you got through the turnstile, you're done. So I remembered that. So I was like, all right, we got the one ticket. Let's try to spin the gate just for one person. <laughs> so I had 20 bucks, and we made it through. You have your tickets out, have your tickets out. And Harry had the one ticket, and I looked for the oldest, crankiest guy. <laughs> and I i had the 20. You know, <laughs> I have all these old references. You know that song by uh, – Harry Chapin, taxi. He took the $20 bill, stashed it in my shirt. Anyway, look it up sometime. But I had the 20 out. And the guy at the end, this little old man, says, uh, right this way son <laughs> he wants that 20. <laughs> Harry gives him the ticket and I shoved the 20 in his hand and said, enjoy the show boys <laughs> that's my Wrestlemania story and yes I did go to a lot of live wrestling and continue to and now you know you know how it is you fade in you fade out but um yeah you were a big Bruno guy I'm guessing absolutely absolutely you know growing up as a kid I mean You look at the matches now, but you just got to forget it. I mean, let me, if Babe Ruth was playing baseball now, would he be good? I think so.
1: Yeah, I'd like to think so too.
3: Right. So if Bruno was wrestling now, he'd be good. But the energy of his, just when he would walk out, you know, you're talking no music, no lighting, no nothing. And the place would explode. And he might not have been the greatest wrestler of all time. But as far as a worker and as far as a guy with charisma and that had timing and you could see some of these old matches, there's some good ones. There's some not so good ones, but there's a real good one from 73 with him and Killer Kowalski. And yes, I I loved Bruno. I loved Bruno. You had to like him. And I was a fan of the bad guys. But Bruno, you know, he was the man. So, yeah, it was a great era.
0: And you got the opportunity to bring Bruno in a couple of times to ROH, right? To do, like, appearances? Once. Oh, once?
3: Yeah, one time. And I had a fight with Gabe. Not a fight. I had a, uh, you know, I was going to do it. But Gabe, who was very bright, and he knows his stuff, he was a huge help with Ring of Honor. But it, So with Bruno, it was expensive. And Gabe's like, Carrie, I know he's one of your heroes, it's not going to matter, and I'm like, bro. For whatever he cost, I was figuring we're going to get it back in uh, autographs, and um, we did. It was at the uh, Manhattan Center, and um, it worked out very well. So it was a thrill to have him, and we got to do a shoot interview with Carnet interviewing him. I was there. It was it was one of my you know highlights for me personally. But uh, he was a gentleman, and and the place went nuts when he came out. It's on video; you can see it.
1: Yeah, I man, you know it's what? funny you him
3: twice. You're right, my man. We had him in Detroit at WrestleMania, and it, it it didn't work out as well. But so what? It was still good having him there.
1: Yeah, so I think I've seen that Kowalski match you referenced, and just and and I've seen having seen other Bruno matches, or even um, I think about uh, I, I believe it was I, I believe it was at WrestleMania where it was David San Martino versus. Brutus Beefcake, and when, and when Bruno fired the comeback there, the place went just nuts. And you're talking about a 1985 Hulk Hogan-centric crowd that still erupted for Bruno San Martino firing up and, and cleaning house.
3: He had a run, and this is definitely, I mean, everything's on video for the most part, but in the 80s against Piper, and there was a lot of matches at Boston Garden. They just brought him in now and then, and he's still like you said. You know, they still erupted, and he had he still had it. So he was the man. Right before we
0: went on to record here, we we're talking about your venture in wrestling magazines, and that's kind of how you found your way into the wrestling business
3: through magazines in Puerto Rico, right? It's a, technically yes, I guess you would say that. So my cousin Mike, Mike G, who actually has a book coming out. He's doing a woods 50th anniversary of Woodstock, but he's been a, a writer his whole life. And primarily, and as I mentioned him earlier in, in the podcast, he and I used to go to the garden in the seventies. He was a fan at the time he was doing metal maniacs and uh, ah. a country title. Imagine this metal and country. And uh, there was a country title uh, at his company. I forget what the name of it was. And they also had the old American magazine, Wrestling World. So the editor of Wrestling World had quit. And it was only being published, this is in the late 90s, every like six a year. So Mike took over as editor. And uh, we went on vacation to Puerto Rico. I knew about the wrestling scene there. He knew a little bit about it. So we got hold of Victor Quinones of IWA. And we went and saw an IWA show. It was really good it reminded me of the 70s of the garden it was slow it was made sense it was very clear baby face and heels dutch mantel was the booker and uh it was just great when we left i said to mike i go mike we should do a wrestling magazine in puerto rico you know for puerto rico he's like you're nuts i'm a writer i'm an editor so i asked him does uh Sterling mcfadden the magazine company sell uh titles in puerto rico and he says yeah and then it just came down to um getting hold of this the distributor and he says well you know you're talking translation you're talking layout i said well do you know a layout artist?" yeah i i'll be the photographer well we did it we were able to do four issues it was difficult because we were dealing there were the two companies there there was the IWA with Victor Quinones, who were you know, willing to work with us. And then you had, Brian, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Carlos Jovica and Carlos Colon. The Cologne.
1: The Colones, yes.
3: And do you ever heard about Jovica?
1: I'm not familiar with and him, now.
3: Yes, Steve Carino if you ever run into him. <laughs> and I asked, a lot, asked a lot of these other guys. So the, these guys ran that WWC or whatever it was called. Yeah. And... They're still running down there. They're still running. But anyway, we got the cooperation of Quinones. But we need the cooperation of Jovica and Colon. And we go to meet them at their office, right? And um, they have a little office in San Juan. We go there. And it was classic good cop, bad cop. Carlos Colon is nice. Welcome, guys. And here comes Victor Jovica. Now, you got to picture a guy he was Austrian but he spoke Spanish and English so he sounded like Dracula. <laughs> so he's like so we're sitting there and we're telling him our idea and we would like to cover you guys you know we're going to we'd like you to also sell the magazines we could split the profit blah 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 it all made sense and Jovik is like no 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 you guys want to do this. You only cover my company. Mike says, but Mr. Javika, this is a wrestling magazine. <laughs> it's covering both. We're not favoring one company or the other. So he says, no, he goes, that other company, they're bullshit. I am not going to associate with that. Anyway, we wound up doing the magazine without his cooperation. And uh, the first issue came out, and it turned out to be a small hit. The wrestlers loved it. We distributed, like, I don't know, 6,000 of them, which was good. Oh, wow. You know, the newsstands were selling them, and IWA was selling them at the shows. So after the first issue came out, we got a call. I don't know how they got my number. Uh, this guy, Ricky Sa- Ricky Santana, not Tito Santana. He was a Florida guy, and he was a booker down there, and uh, he wanted us to come. And we did but Jovica didn't invite us. If Ricky Santana did. So we go to uh, Humacao, which is this city, I don't know, an hour away from San Juan. And they're at this little building, you know, maybe a thousand seat building. It's a Friday night and there's a road and a field and the building. And we get there early. And Ricky Santana is there. And both Cologne brothers, the kids are there. Everyone's nice. I'm doing the butcher's there. I'm like, holy shit, right? <laughs> and um, everyone was cool. And we told Santana, listen, he goes, No, no, no. I talked to Jovica, I talked to Jovica, don't worry about nothing. All right. So the show starts, and I was the photographer. So I would be at ringside. Now, they if you ever look at the old tapes of Puerto Rico, they had no ringside seating. They were worried about the people, you know, uh just worried about the people. So they kept them back in the bleachers.
1: Were they worry about them like going crazy, like attacking the wrestlers? Yeah.
0: You always hear about them throwing batteries. That was the big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah.
3: Dutch has some... I don't want to get off track here, but Dutch has some incredible stories. I got to know him really well. But to stick with this cow story, so the third match is on. It's a tag match, and Ricky Santana's in the ring. I'm taking my pictures, and someone taps me on the shoulder. There's nobody at ringside. Who the, who, who's tapping me on the shoulder? It was one of the security guards. And I have spoke a couple words of Spanish, but he goes, Fuera. and I'm like, huh? And I knew it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you got to get the hell out of here. So when he taps me and he's like, Fuera, and he's motioning his hand, like, you got to go. I look over and there's my cousin, Mike standing with Jovica. And Jovica's like, you know, Jovica was a bigger guy, not huge, but bigger than my cousin. And I see my cousin like arguing or begging him. And as I walk over, I can hear Jovica as I'm getting closer. He's going, I tell you to not to be involved. You come down to my island. You New York Jews, you come down here. Who the fuck do you think you are? I'm like, holy shit. They killed Bruiser Brody. What the fuck are we? <laughs> so, so <laughs> my cousins go, Mr. Jovica, look, because he's showing him the pages of the magazine, right? And 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 he's trying to super dive, and the guy's got wants nothing to do with it. And I'm like, Mike, let's go, let's go. and So I said, uh, Mr. Jovica, it's cool. I'm sorry, but blah blah blah. He's like, you 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 get the fuck out of here, both of you. <laughs> So so I'm like, all right. So we had parked behind the building where the, where the locker room was. So I'm like, okay, well, we're just going to go out. He goes, no, no, no. You go out through the front door. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Because like I said, the place was a, it was like a shed deep in a field. Now everyone's inside and it's the middle of the show. And we walk out the front door and there's nobody. And it's dead black. There's no lights. You know, there's no like street lights. There's no lights for the building. It was nothing. And I'm like, Oh fuck. You know, we got to walk around the back. They're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. (laughs) They killed Bruiser Brody. What do they care about us? And we walk around the back to our car and it's almost blocked in. Right. We sort of barreled our way out of there. And, um, We're in the car for about 10 minutes and the phone rings and it's Ricky Santana apologizing, but that's just one of the many stories. But Puerto Rico is a great experience because I got to know Dutch and I got to know somebody who I, I still talk to him like three times a week. Luke Williams, Bushwhacker Luke. He was booking down there also. And he's such a good guy. I got to meet Abyss. I became friendly with Abyss was working down there. I don't know if you remember this name, Flash Flanagan. Oh, yeah. Right? And um, Glamour Boy Shane was there. Um, Ricky Banderas. Uh, it, was, it was quite a scene, and uh, it was a nice run. That paved, I don't know if it paved the way to Ring of Honor, but it got my feet wet. Boy, talk about getting your feet wet in wrestling. That place will.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So while you were doing this, I think Ring of Honor was having its first shows, right?
3: Yeah. I went to Ring of Honor as a fan. In the beginning, I knew those guys from going to the ECW arena. Okay. I was friends with Doug and, you know, I knew Gabe. We didn't even talk about the other guy. And, uh, yeah. I felt I had something to add as far as, you know, I had thought I had a decent business sense and a sense of theater and, you know, wrestling. And I, I just felt there was a void, you know, ECW had closed and there was a void. So they didn't need my help. And uh, then they came to me about six months later because, you know, it was a financial thing and I bought in and then the rest is history. There was some issues and uh, I wound up being, I didn't really want to be the sole owner in the beginning, but uh, that's what happened. And, uh, you know, if we really want to fast forward, here we are, you know, just the whole circumstance and Brian will be wrestling in Madison square garden in uh, just a little over a month imagine
1: that yeah it's insane to it's insane to think about and especially when i when i think about ring of honors beginnings and uh being so young in my tenure in pro wrestling when ring of honor started and uh, you know i'm sure you were around for my first foray into ring of honor i was an extra in a <laughs> lumberjack match between brian danielson and and homicide
3: what year and where
1: Oh, it was in Boston. This had to have been...
3: We had a lot of buildings in Boston, that's for
1: sure. <laughs> yeah, this this was, I think, in... Oh, boy, it might have been... It might have technically have been Dorchester.
3: Oh, I remember that. Bobby was that Heenan was at the show, the show I think. Bobby Heenan? Yes. He got mad at that show. He got angry. <laughs> something with his foul language or something. Remember that?
1: I don't remember him getting, getting angry. I think I was too scared thinking about what I had to do.
3: <laughs> yeah, Mongoose got that building. Oh, Mike Mongoose? Yes, Mongoose got that building. We, as you guys know, we'll tell some of the fans that might not know, we had all kinds of problems with buildings. That could be another podcast. Buildings in Boston. It's funny, and you guys will relate to this. You can remember things better from your childhood than things, you know, a number of years ago. You know, I don't have a list here. I'm not staring at the Internet. Oh, we were here. We were in Braintree. We were in this place, Cambridge, this place, that place. We would get a building, we would lose the building. There was the one time where Gabe did the thing. I knew it was no good, but I let him do it. <laughs> Punk on the cross.
0: Ah. Uh, that's a Wakefield, I think.
3: Right. There's another city. Thank you. Yeah. Mike's hometown. <laughs> we were reduced to Dorchester. It was a summertime. I remember that because I remember going jogging, and it was a terrible neighborhood.
1: Yeah, that, that that yeah the neighborhood around that place uh, <laughs> best described as sketchy at at best <laughs> I'm jogging
3: you know it was like mainly it was mainly. it wasn't the worst but it wasn't great anyway Bobby Heenan was at that show what my recollections are and I'm sorry Brian uh I don't remember you being there
1: that's okay I was very forgettable <laughs> better
3: than, it's better than me remembering some mistake or something but Bobby Heenan got upset. Because I think maybe, I don't know, Homicide or somebody or one of our guys was using, you know, inappropriate language during the show. And as cool as Bobby Heenan is, and he's certainly not a prude, I got to know him a little bit. He, um, that's a good story. The first time I met him with Jim Carnett. But anyway, you know, he didn't like it. You know, you don't talk that way in front of the crowd. There's kids there. And he almost didn't come out, but he did. Yeah, he was cool. Getting to work with him and Carnett, Jim's great. I like Jim. You know, there's this controversial guy. Um, I always got along with him. So I'll tell you the first time I was with both of them. We had Cornet a couple of times. And Cornet was going to do a shoot interview with Heenan. The show was the next day at the Rexplex in Elizabeth. So we're at the Sheraton in Newark and Bobby comes and Gabe's there and the camera guy's there. We do the shoot interview. They're staying at the hotel. I only have to drive like an hour home. So Jim and Bobby are going to go down to the bar and restaurant and there's no one in the hotel. So I'm like, let me go. I'm going to go. The hell of it. So I'm sitting with Coronet and Heenan. This is after the shoot interview. You would have thought I would have had my fill with a three-hour shoot interview, but no way, right? To sit with these guys alone was – so there was one moment where we're sitting at this table, and these guys were having a couple drinks, and we got some food, and Heenan goes to the bathroom. And I'd met Carnet one time before. It wasn't like he was my best buddy. But I, tur- I look over, and I go, hey, Jim. I go, it's cool enough. To be hanging out with you, but fucking Bobby Heaton? and he goes, "Yeah, I know, I know." <laughs> their paths had never crossed uh, in their in the territory days, so that was really that was a special night. Uh, there were a lot of special nights, and they had a great match. See, I I should be better on my ROH history. I'll tell you these oddball facts about the Garden from 1972. <laughs> but there, there was a match; it was a tag match. I guess it was the Briscoes, and maybe it was CM Punk and Cabana or somebody. And Jim managed one team, and Bobby managed the other team. And uh, it was just that was, it was just great stuff. That was cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know, and and I can attest to the last couple years for me, where just what you just said, there's so many moments in in pro wrestling, and when you're around and meet different people and work with different people, I just go like, this is so cool. How did I how did I even get here? <laughs> like right now.
3: Absolutely. Um, after that period, there was a period where we had a number of shows with Ricky Steamboat and Mick Foley. I remember we were in Dayton, Ohio. It might have been the first time the two of them were there. And and Gabe comes up to me, he's like, Carrie, he goes, Look at this. You know, Foley and Steamboat are sitting in the Ring of Honor dressing room and enjoying themselves. And it was like, it, it was amazing. I know Steamboat was a was such a good guy and a gentleman and uh, just like his character is. And Foley's so cool. He likes all the same music I do. We I developed a, a friendship with him. We went to some shows together and uh, it's great. I'm, I'm really, you know, and. Maybe uh, our booking team will listen to this because I'll say it out loud. I don't care. I wish we would pay more homage to the legends. We don't do that anymore.
0: Yeah, I remember I was there for, I mean, Ricky Steamboat had a rivalry with CM Punk in ROH. And I remember he did like for the first time something physical. I think he might have even done the cross body off the top to CM Punk. And the crowd just went crazy. And he was just, he hadn't done anything physical in so long. And they ended up doing something later in WWE with him. And it was fantastic. But that was the first time I'd ever seen Ricky Steamboat in years do something like that. And it was just, he was just so over. It was amazing.
3: You know, we have this 17th anniversary show coming up. And, you know, listen, I love Ring of Honor, and I love what we're doing now. The product is awesome. But let's make the anniversary show special, besides just having the name of the anniversary show. You know, bring back some kind of, you know, it's like uh, Old Timer's Day. I don't know if they do Old Timer's Day at Fenway.
1: Not, uh, I think they actually might have like started it last year for the first time, but they but they hadn't done it in years.
3: So bring back some guys, uh, but uh, or or have some legends come in now and then. You know, we we had Dusty Rhodes, we had J.J. Dillon, we had Bill Watts, we had the Midnight Express, we had uh, Rock and Roll Express, or, or part of uh, help me, who's the blonde guy in Rock and Roll Express? Ricky Morton. Yeah, Ricky Morton. Um, and I'm leaving a, a lot of names out right now. Um, Bruno is aforementioned, but and, and Bushwhacker Luke. And people love it; they always love it. You know, it's not not looking to compete with Ring of Honor's uh, current roster, but uh, it's a good flavor, and it, it should be. It should be. Uh, I'm going to talk to those guys. You know, once in a while, it's just a nice, it's a nice caveat to throw on top.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, looking back at the history of ROH, like, what would you consider the golden era of Ring of Honor?
3: Well. You know, the golden era is – honestly, the golden era is right now because we're going to mass. – I'll say it again, maybe say 10 more times before we're done in the next <laughs> few minutes, but uh, tw- as many minutes as we do. But the golden era is right now. Uh, if you want to talk about some past golden eras, there's so many of them. Some of my favorite moments. Tyler Black getting the belt, you know, from Aries. It was in New York. It was just great. The future Seth Rollins. Yes. Yes. That's right. Seth Rollins. But Tyler, he was the man. You know, he was my buddy. He's still my buddy. Recent history, you know, the Bucks and the Hardys in that ladder match a couple WrestleManias ago. It was wonderful. And we could go way, way back to the uh, Kabashi Samoa Joe match. Probably one of the greatest matches ever. You know, talk about a match with the big fight feel, that Ali Frazier kind of feel to it. That was special. Uh, Nigel had so many, Nigel and Brian in London, that match where they're banging their heads together and, and into the post. There's so many of them. Homicide had so many good matches. Um, the Davey Richards era and the Eddie Edwards era was good stuff. Mm. Um you know, guys like Adam Cole and 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 the so many Briscoe moments. I know I'm jumping around here, but that's 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 the way it is.
1: When you're thinking about Ring of Honor, Carrie, as as somebody who is now the ambassador, you're the former owner, like in your mind, who is the guy that just like epitomizes like when you think Ring of Honor, you think this person? Like in your mind, who is that?
3: Well, I think it's gotta be Jay Lethal. hmm Cause he was there virtually from the beginning and he's yes, he was gone for many years, but he was there not from day one, but close to day one. And, uh, he's still there now. He's going to be in the main event, most likely at Madison square garden. Besides lethal, you, you got to think, I got to think Brian, you know, Brian Danielson, Daniel, Brian, uh, He was so important to the company and the Briscoes. The Briscoes are the uh, Ruth and Garrig of Ring of Honor.
2: Mm.
3: They've been there since day one and they're still there and they're still so relevant. And of course there's Brian
1: Malone. Also, the <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, I think when I think about, you know, just being in that locker room right now and and you hit the nail on the head, Kerry, the guys that I look up to, the guys that I go to in the locker room to talk to and ask for advice and 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 those are I mean, you named them, Jay Lethal, the Briscoes. You know, I've talked about on this podcast many times just my feelings on those guys and what they mean to that the company, the and, and just, just to be in the same locker room as those guys. Uh, especially knowing that, I mean, the company w- was built by them. Uh, for me, it's it's incredible to share a locker room with them and, and to get to pick their brains and to learn from them and uh, have them as peers. It's incredible. It's mind-blowing.
3: It is. And, you know, we're leaving out a lot of names. Uh, Claudio Castanoli, right, you know, Cesaro. What a great performer in so many good matches and guys who've been around for a lot of years who don't get talked about, you know, you got to mention Christopher Daniels in the mix. He was, uh, from the beginning and he contributed, uh, right up through, through the years and was ROH champion less than what, a year and a half ago.
1: Right. Yeah. And,
3: um, there's so many guys and, you know, you guys like, you know, Kenny King, who's been around and, uh, he's just solid and, and si- now Silas, I talked to Silas on the phone the other day. I said, You're one of the old guys now.
1: <laughs>
3: now. I remember he was in Chicago doing sort of dark matches, and he used to have, you guys probably don't remember this, he used to come out to uh, that horrible Don't Stop Believing song by Joe. Oh, really? <laughs> horrible
0: song. Come on.
3: <laughs> oh, it's all right. But It's, it's just too it's overplayed. How about that? Okay, yeah. And I remember being in Chicago at that field house. And telling him, look, dude, you got to cut that song to like 45 seconds. You know, he liked <laughs> to let, you know, it had that long, that long intro. Yep. But yeah, you know, Silas, is the, you know, he's a solid guy. And now having Bully Ray there, he's awesome. We got to do the, uh, I got involved in, at the final battle, which I'd never been involved physically one time. Here's a trivia question. Who is the only other guy to threaten me and put his hands on me in Ring of Honor history besides Bully?
1: Boy, I'm not sure, do you know Mike?
0: Uh, I'm gonna guess Kevin Steen.
3: Very good, Mike. Ah, yes. yes, Kevin Steen. Uh, it was at the Manhattan Center. He had been uh, on sabbatical or was uh, on ejected for a number of months. This is when uh, Adam Pierce was booking, or maybe it was uh, Delirious. But anyway. He he invaded a match, and they had me run in the ring, and I tried to calm him down. And steam kicks me in the stomach, and he's gonna package pile drive me, <laughs> and uh, luckily Fat Pants saved me <laughs> from a broken neck. But yeah, that was the only time. So th- that's why the uh, Bully Ray thing was so special. But yeah, we got a gr- we have a great crew, and these new guys that have come in. You know, Juice Robinson, I'm gonna leave someone out here. Juice Robinson, Bandito, uh Roosh, Finley, uh the kid from England, Mark Haskins. Yeah,
1: Haskins.
3: Who am I leaving out? Help me.
1: Um, I mean Tennille's relatively new. They got that whole group. Tracy Williams. Yeah. Um, you know, lifeblood. We we wrestled them with Coast to Coast in Miami, and those guys are all just absolutely incredible.
3: Yeah, so we got some good stuff going on. You know. Let's be uh, real here. You know, everyone's talking about the elite, my beloved boys, the Bucks. I call them like my West Coast sons. I've seen over the years in my involvement, whether I was the owner or whether I was ambassador, which is almost an equal amount of time right now. Imagine that. Uh, well, I was own the <laughs> company from 2003 to 2011. You do the math. It's close, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's about the same amount of
3: time. but. <laughs> where I'm going with this is our roster is now minus the Bucks and Cody Rhodes and uh, Daniels Kazarian, but it, it opens up space and we experienced this back in 2005, losing Samoa Joe and CM Punk within a few months of each other. And then we experienced it right through the, you know, uh, Aries left and uh, Jamie Noble was champion, you know, and he left. And then in 2009 was the big one, Uh, September of 2009, when on the same night, Nigel and Brian were both leaving and they were they put a fork in us, man. It was over. And uh, I was able to get hold of homicide and I was able to get hold of Jim Carnett and we had them both come in as surprises. It left space open. And that's when Tyler Black really started elevating. And Davey Richards really started elevating. And Eddie Edwards really started elevating. It happened when Tyler left again, leaving space for guys like Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. And I'm leaving names out here, I'm sure. So the the same thing is happening now.
1: Yeah, it feels like, Every time somebody has left over the history of Ring of Honor, everybody's been ready to write the obituary, yet the company continues to thrive, and like we've said you know, many times already, April 6th, sold out Madison Square Garden, Ring of Honor's right there, so I mean... They just keep chugging along, or we just keep chugging along, I guess I can say now, uh, and it's great. So what? But what you're talking about guys leaving, but a couple of constants, and I and they've been guests on this podcast. They're friends of ours. They're friends of yours, and we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up uh, a couple of names here. Uh, you, I
3: think you one, just, one of them has a birthday today.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes, he does. We're, Double G! Uh, <laughs> so we're talking about Bobby Cruz and Todd Fatpants Sinclair.
3: My buddies, yeah. Bobby where are you when uh, I could be bribing him right now I'm just teasing Bobby's a good guy we've, had, <laughs> we've run the roads together it's his happy birthday Bobby I, I don't know if there's any records on this you guys know as much as I do but he's probably one of the longest tenures as ring announcers of anybody I could think of
1: yeah i mean he's i mean Bobby's been around as long as i've been around and i've been around 17 years now so i think he you know he predates me in the business.
3: And same with Todd. You know, Todd's you got there there are two guys that in their respective positions, one is a referee and one is a ring announcer. I can say with a clear conscience, Todd's probably the best for my money, the best referee in the business, and Bobby's the best ring announcer in the business. And that's it. You know, mm. there's no one any better. Um, and I'm so glad that they're you know there it's part of what makes the ring of honor experience you know if you're a sports fan a, a franchise whether it's the patriots or whether it's you know the la kings it's just a name what makes it a cohesive unit to me is the same players sort of you know i don't like when there's too many trades right of course there's going to be an attrition but it's nice having the same guys you know like bobby and Todd, and they're so good. And Paul Turner, you know, good old Paul Turner. No one ever talks about Paul. And
1: he's been and he's been there longer than Todd, I think. Right?
3: Yes, and, and I don't think he's ever made a mistake.
1: <laughs> Dude, I, I know, a, I know a referee who made a mistake for Ring of Honor. What? Uh, you know, I, he's he's sitting right here, Carrie. Carrie, why didn't you ever give Mike a job? Is it because of that horrible mistake he made?
3: You know, I don't even remember it. And- <laughs> Probably uh Gabe was so angry that you know he that guy's never coming back, he's throwing a chair or two around. Mongoose was in a couple of ma- uh matches, right?
0: Oh yeah, he was he did the pre-show all the time he he got like a, a nibble here or there, but yeah. I
3: ran up to the rig one time before his match because he was so nervous. He's standing there with his arms crossed in the corner, and I'm like, Loosen up, dude. You know, it was, it was it was not a mean event that I was interrupting. You know, so happy birthday, Bobby and Todd! Just got back from Japan. They're 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 good boys.
0: Well, I mean, we know they're good at their jobs, but and I, I think we both experienced it, Brian. But uh, how are they to travel with Carrie? I know that you've been in the car with both oh, of them a
3: lot. Well, yeah. Let's be honest. Um, Todd's a gentleman. <laughs> Bobby's got his quirks. He likes things a certain way. He'll play these. All right. I'm not going to get down and dirty. I'll get light. He'll play the worst music. He used to bring cassette tapes with like the Brady Bunch theme song. Or Hall and Oates. Some cheesy Hall and Oates, like a She's Gone, right? And playing it over and over. And it was like the same garbage. He's a funny guy. Don't go to a casino with him. He's the kiss of death.
1: <laughs> oh, that's, good. that's good advice because we're going to be in Vegas in a couple weeks. I'm going to stay away from Bobby.
3: Right. He, uh, he has no fear either. Last time I was in Vegas, and I like to play some craps occasionally, and Bobby will come up to the table and he'll bet a few dollars. He's not a big gambler, but he's got a big mouth. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's yelling down. The guy's got the dice on you, like you know, you know, he had a couple of drinks in him, you know, come on, throw the damn dice already. I'm like, shut up, man. <laughs> yeah, you don't know who you're talking he don't care. But no, he's cool, man. He's my buddy. I love those guys, you know. It's been so many years, it's crazy. It it seems like yesterday that this whole thing started. It really does. It really does, you know, yet. What are we at? Our seventeenth year anniversary. So in
1: th- thinking about that, your history, sixteen years with the company, I mean, between being an owner, being the ambassador. So just on a per you know, we've talked about it, but just on a personal level, what, what does it mean to you again to see April sixth, Madison Square Garden, Ring of Honors on the marquee, 18,000 tickets sold? Like what does that mean to you personally, Carrie?
3: It's hard to process the whole thing. It really is. And I, I wanted to say that I'm, I'm grateful when the company changed hands and I met Joe Koff. you know, it it, t- it took it took an eternity to get this deal done. What did it really take? Like over a year. Joe was the perfect, although it's not Joe's money. He was the perfect guy to represent the product to Sinclair. Mm-hmm. He had a wrestling background and he was a fan as a kid, but he had the right energy and, you know, people would knock me when I was the boss. Of course, that's what people do. And, you know, everyone's nice to you in front of your face, but you know, behind your back, whatever. So where I'm going with this is to, to, you know, it's hard to keep this alive. I mean, Sinclair, I don't know any of this as fact, but Sinclair at any point could say, hey, we're not interested in this project. But Joe and Greg have done what they had to do to keep this on Sinclair's, uh, you know, on the upside with them. No one ever thinks about that. Mm -hmm. I do. So besides me keeping the company alive and getting this deal, which thanks, there's a name we got to bring up here, Gary Juster. Gary Juster was the conduit through Jim Carnett, to getting this whole deal done. He knew Joe Copped. So um, I'm not giving you a really clear answer here. It's just hard to process the fact that we're going to be in Madison Square Garden. It's beyond a dream come true. Thinking about my father yanking my pants during that Freddie Blassie-Pedro Morales (laughs) match, to now I get to walk out to the opening of the Ring of Honor show, as I have the fortune to do, in Madison square garden. It's so damn cool. And to see everyone, to, to see all the wrestlers and so many of my friends, including you, Brian and Mike, I'm sure you'll be there. Um, yes. And my friends, you know, my, my non wrestling friends are coming. I just want everyone to be there. Uh, it's, it's so special. It's hard to really uh, verbalize it, but it's, it's, it's ultra special. It's gonna be a magic moment. I'm just gonna. I'm wondering, like, how it's gonna feel. You know, I'm just. Of course, it's gonna be cool. What do you
1: think? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm. I'm gonna have all I. Uh, I'm gonna have all I can. I, I can handle just trying not to cry. Walk into the ring.
3: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm worried about tripping, walking out when. Uh, when the thing starts, I, I remember telling CM Punk when he left, when he made it in WWE. And I remember telling him, Seth Rollins, number of guys when they were at the garden for the first time, "Hey, do me a favor, you know I would send him a text, what's up, Carrie? Tonight, when you go out through the curtain or you go out on the ramp, whatever it is, take a second and look around and breathe it in that you're at Madison Square Garden because this is a special moment, and I was telling that to the aforementioned names and Adam Cole, and this one, and that one, and now it's our turn. So it's going to be a wonderful night.
0: And you won't have to spin the gate this time to get in, right?
3: That's right! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, it's been great talking to you. It's uh, fantastic. I'm glad that Brian was able to set this up and... uh really want to thank you for your time today on the wrestling podcast about nothing.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. And, uh, you're one of the people I always look forward to the most to seeing when we, when we go on the road and, um, you know, I'm I really feel fortunate to be able to get to know you these last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I look forward to more stories that, that maybe don't fit this podcast, uh, in, in the very near future.
3: We got some, we will have to get into some of my, uh, ticket scalping, uh, my years. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get something together on my own about I got these wrestling stories, but I got stories about these ticket scalpers from the '80s and '90s in New York City that make the rest. <laughs> all, right, all right, real quick to end the show. I remember hanging out with Dutch when I got to know him, one of the all-time great characters, and I'd be asking him about the golden era of Memphis, and I'd be asking him about. You know, these, these early days of Puerto Rico, like you mentioned earlier, with these the fans throwing batteries and the fans throwing uh, cups of urine at you. And he would tell me. And then I threw a few stories at him about this ticket guy, the camel, or it's Silent Sydney, or the Sabu brothers, or or. <laughs> Or Blackhead. And and I tell them these <laughs> stories that went along with these names. So eventually when we'd be sitting around and I'd be bugging them about it, hey, when you wrestle Jerry Lloyd, don't you fuck that carry. Tell me more about tell me more about that camel there. <laughs>
1: the camel. <laughs> yeah,
3: so, all right, I'll tell you about the camel. But anyway, yeah. So I appreciate the time, guys.
0: And I know that you're telling some of these stories on your Twitter, right? At ROH Carrie
3: yes yes I'm eventually gonna do something with that yes I I'm at, I'm at R-O-H-C-A-R-Y on Twitter and uh I will see you in uh Vegas and Mike thank you I will see you at MSG. thank you so
0: much Carrie
1: thanks Carrie take care
0: and thanks again to Carrie silk and ROH ambassador former ROH owner for coming on the wrestling podcast about nothing a lot of great stuff in that thing Brian
1: yeah uh, I, I mean Carrie so I mean he just even when you you're around him in person, he's just so engaging and entertaining. So uh, I'm really I really hope everybody enjoyed it as much as, as we did doing the interview and uh, really enjoyed just uh, talking to Carrie and and the guy is a wealth of knowledge from uh, music to pro wrestling. Uh, I mean uh, I can't imagine the the amount of information that he's able to store in his brain. Uh, maybe, maybe I can't do that because I've spent too many years throwing myself uh, you know onto boards and metal. Right.
0: Uh, So yes, during the interview, you essentially confirmed that you will be in New York City at Madison Square Garden. You will be participating in the ring at the biggest arena, the most famous arena in the world. And of course, as we mentioned at the top, you scooped yourself and essentially went on the booking the territory podcast that was actually a bonus episode that happened uh, over this past week and you basically told mike mills that yes you are confirmed you will be on the g1 supercard show at msg on april 6th so i guess congratulations
1: mike mills is an excellent journalist he uh he was able to put me on the spot and get it out of me yeah,
0: he pulled it right out of you right you didn't have that on the tip of your tongue the entire time did you
1: no, did you listen to it? I actually like. I hesitate, and then I said, "Ah, what the hell?" Yeah, you
0: said, uh, "Mike, Mike is going to hate this," but here we go.
1: <laughs> I think, cause I think I scooped myself once, one other time before, but.
0: Uh, You do that a lot. You tend to do that. So, uh, yes, if you want to go check that out, no, really, go check that out. Great interview. Mike Mills and Doc Turner were on the line talking to the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. It's on the regular Booking the Territory feed. Uh, I think it was like last Tuesday, maybe it went up. So if you want to check that out on the Booking the Territory feed, make sure to subscribe to Booking the Territory with Mike Mills. They do two podcasts a week regularly, and this is a bonus podcast for you, just exclusively talking to the Kingpin about all things ROH and MSG and what's going on in your life. So it's a great, it's a great way to uh, catch up with the kingpins. So go check that out, Booking the Territory with Mike Mills. And I guess while we're at it, our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. They're starting a new season this week, new features, new segments. Make sure you check out our Vantage Point immediately after you finish listening to the Wrestling Podcast about nothing because they come out each and every Monday, ovppodcast.com for all the information. Or how about Greetings from Allentown with PW. Peter Winston, our neighbor. It's a single man doing a single episode of wrestling television each and every week, and he reviews it in his own inimitable style, if that is a word. Probably is not. But check out Greetings from Allentown on the Pro Wrestling Only feed, on Place to Be Nation, or his own feed. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Troy, Adam Sauls, or all the rest there on the Rundown Wrestling Network. And you can find all the information about the Rundown Network on RundownWrestling.com. And as for the wrestling podcast about nothing, we want to hear from you. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your thoughts on our discussion with Carrie Silkin. Use the hashtag WPAN. We'd love to hear from you and see what you think about that interview. Also, call the voicemail line, 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And we are going to talk to somebody who was a voicemail caller last week. I think it's going to happen next week. Can we confirm that?
1: Yeah, we keep uh, we keep pushing it off. Um, so it's uh, it's been a crazy. You know, we like to pull back the curtain. It's been a crazy uh, last few weeks for the two of us. It's not going to get any easier because I'm like gone for the next week. So uh, you know, at or come the end of the week, I'm gone for like a week. So. Uh, we'll get it done though we'll get it's Leo Connors everybody knows Leo Leo's been around the New England indie scene for a long time he hosts a great show out of, out of Nashville New Hampshire that he also puts online so uh, we'll, we'll give Leo a call get him on this podcast as a, a great supporter of the WPAN who actually purchased a curtain jerker t-shirt. Where are the rest of you friggin' freeloaders?
0: <laughs> yes, go to BrianMalones.com and get your own Curtain WPA WPAN t-shirt. Yeah, I think we have a little more breathing room last week. I mean, we talked to Carrie for just about an hour, so a little more time to spend with Leo next week. So we'll get that done, and uh, we'll speak to Leo from the ring and all other sports. Check out uh, Leo Connors on YouTube to see all of his great interviews he's done with the talent of uh, New England independent wrestling. All right, Kingpin, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, you are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got
1: dates. That's right, Mike. Well, as you, as you mentioned, I'm not on the pay-per-view, but this is Friday night live on pay-per-view from Las Vegas, Nevada. It's Ring of Honor's 17th anniversary pay-per-view, available on uh, traditional pay-per-view as well as Honor Club and Fight TV. So uh, definitely uh, go ahead, order that. Uh, also would be remiss if I didn't mention a show that I'm not on that I was originally booked for. Our good friends over at Chaotic Wrestling are having their biggest event of the year. Cold Fury, 18. Can you believe it, Mike? 18 of these damn things. Man. I've been on or in attendance for all the 17 previous ones, uh, but I'll be uh, in Vegas. So uh, Cold Fury with Warbeard Hanson, our good buddy Warbeard Hanson in attendance. Uh, The main event of that, Josh Briggs, JT Dunn. Uh, Go to chaoticwrestling.com. That's this Friday night. Uh, So good luck to them uh you know nothing but the best and hopefully they pack out the place and I'll be back there really soon maybe we'll talk about it in a few seconds here
0: yeah bro you talked about Warbeard Hanson of course he is replacing Tommaso Ciampo who this past week we found out uh, needs or had neck surgery so he is going to be out for a while and uh good thoughts and uh you know speedy recovery to Tommaso I know he's been through a lot in his career but he definitely will be back and better than ever
1: Right. Yeah. If there's one thing Tomaso does well, uh, he does a lot of things well. But uh, this guy's not a quitter, uh, and and he comes back from injury better than anybody. So if you follow Tommaso's career, he seems to come back somehow a little better every single time for one of these things. So uh, I'd say watch out when uh, when he's ready to come back.
0: Yeah. I mean. I mean. Literally, he was injured either the day he signed up for wrestling school or right after.
1: <laughs> because yeah it was yeah it was almost instantaneous yeah so
0: he has uh had to deal with these challenges throughout his career i mean it's not it's not a fun thing it's not a great thing but it is something that he has overcome and time and time again and this will be no
1: different indeed all right, Mike. Well, we'll keep the train rolling here. Yes. Uh, Saturday, uh, March the 16th. So this Saturday, uh, once again, back in Las Vegas, Nevada, Ring of Honor's International TV taping at the Samstown Town Hotel and Gambling Hall. Uh, the bouncers will be in attendance. We're also doing the meet and greet, Mike. For just $40, oh. you can come uh, hang out with the bouncers, maybe have a cold one, get an autographed picture, uh, maybe take a selfie with us, whatever you want to do. Uh, but we are on the meet and greet, so we're happy to, to do that and excited to do that. Uh, but that all goes down this Saturday. Saturday night, wrestling.com for tickets uh, and information if you are in the Las Vegas area. Then, Mike, I return to Chaotic Wrestling on Friday night, March the 29th, uh, in Lowell. Again, check out chaoticwrestling.com for tickets and card information for that. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some info forthcoming after uh, this weekend's huge event. And then, Mike, the big one, uh, it only took us to this point to get to it, but Astro Mania, Saturday night, March the 30th. And we dropped a bombshell this uh, this past week. Ring of Honor superstar. Hey, he might be the Ring of Honor world champion. Uh, At Astro Mania, you're talking about a guy who could be walking into his old high school as the world champion, and that's, of course, Matt Taven coming to Astro Mania, special autograph signing. Uh, By the time this drops... There'll be uh, your ability to pre-purchase uh, your meet and greet with Matt Taven. Uh, you must buy a ticket to the event along with or have already purchased a ticket to the event in order to buy uh, this autograph session with Matt Taven. 8 by 10 is going to be $20, and then if you'd like to bring an additional item for him to sign, going to be just 10 additional dollars after that. But Matt Taven, the self-proclaimed real Ring of Honor world champion, is coming to Astro Mania. How about that announcement, Mike?
0: It's tremendous, especially the fact that he is a Pinkerton Academy graduate.
1: Yeah, so he gets to a homecoming of sorts. Uh, for Matt Taven. Along with that, it'll be myself and the Beer City of the Bouncers, taking on the Logan Brothers. Uh, Vern Vicala will be defending the Liberty State's wrestling title against Todd Sopel. So many more. Uh, Scotty Slade versus Johnny Vegas. It's going to be a great event. Tickets start at just $15, and now uh, you'll also have the ability to purchase that great meet-and-greet opportunity with uh, Ring of Honor star Matt Taven uh, using my, my poll my, and reaching out to, to <laughs> close friends in the industry to make this Happening, Mike.
0: (laughs) So you weren't able to keep Matt Taven out of the Astromania event
1: you're a piece of garbage <laughs> <laughs> astromania LSW.com for tickets and uh, you're going to want to get them in advance because buying advance tickets can allow you to get in the door earlier uh and, and get your matt Taven autograph and uh pick your seat and do all that good stuff pick your seat that's probably a weird way to put that but anyway <laughs> <laughs> all right mike let's keep rolling here uh april 5th friday april 5th in new york city it's festival of honor The bouncers will be taking part of Festival of Honor. Uh, Tickets are available on Ticketmaster uh, now. So come be a part of this great great event. Festival of Honor was such a blast last year. Lots of fun events uh, to take place. uh, Lots of meet and greet opportunities. Always a good time. And that goes down Friday, uh, April 5th in New York City, 10 a.m. And then the very next day, Mike, this is the big one. This is uh, the opportunity of a lifetime. The, the I, I don't want to say culmination because that makes it sound like I'm retiring or something afterwards. But... This is what I've worked 17 years for. Uh, On on Saturday night, April 6th, I'll be standing in the middle of the ring at Madison Square Garden at Ring of Honor's G1 Supercard. Uh, So I cannot wait for this. The event is sold out, but I I do know there are, from all these legal scalpers, there are tickets on the... (laughs) <laughs> secondary market uh that are available for purchase if, if you are so inclined to be there but uh i mean sold out 18,000 people yours truly will be will be taking part in it i i am so freaking excited and it will also be available on on traditional pay-per-view and streaming services too if you did get shut out in the cold so man i can't wait i am ready for back-to-back weekends really of uh promoting my own show and the, and then wrestling at Madison Square Garden kind of a surreal time buddy
0: and uh, yes.
1: What a time to be alive.
0: <laughs> what a time to be alive. And make sure you get your tickets for uh, Astromania, especially Astromania, com. And yeah, take a look at those uh, prices for the MSG show. Get in there, support the kinkpin. As you mentioned earlier, buy a t shirt from com and support your favorite podcaster and pro wrestling personality at the Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania. Oh, not WrestleMania. G1 Supercard weekend, I should say, Brian, right?
1: Yes, exactly. G1 Supercard Weekend.
0: Okay, so if you want to book the Kingpin going forward, email Brian Malonis at Comcast.net or DM him on Twitter. He is at Brian Malonis. Brian, this week's promo about nothing is from the year 1992. And we are going to Tennessee to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And this promo is from one of the biggest... Hottest baby faces of the 80s in the South. His name is White Lightning Tim Horner. And let's listen to Bob Cottle talking to Tim Horner, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. This is this week's promo about nothing.
2: Fans, right now we're talking to Morristown, Tennessee's own White Lightning, Tim Horner. Tim, I know you had a very successful tour in Japan, but I also know that you're glad to be back here on Smoky Mountain Wrestling, back before the home folks and in your own area and territory. That's right. You know, when I come home, you know, I think of mountains because there's mountains all around us. And when I think of mountains, I think of Smoky Mountains. And now every time I, I hear Smoky Mountains, it's Smoky Mountain Wrestling, you know, and I really get excited about that because finally there's an organization who is going to allow the wrestlers to compete at a level that they're capable of competing in. You know, some of these o- other organizations, you know, and I talked to the commissioner earlier today, uh, Bob Armstrong, right. he-, he assured me that Smoky Mountain Wrestling is not a, a, a c- body competition, it's not body uh, what is building, m- Body yeah, building, there right. you go. And it's certainly not a rock show, you know, some right. of these other organizations, you know, they want to hammer something into the people's head right. if you get my drift. But, you know, I'm happy to be here, you know, and uh, like you said, I just come off a tour of Japan, and I'm really happy to be here. Fans, that's it from White Lightning, Tim Horner, next week, Dutch Mantell, Brian Lee, that's our main event. We'll see you then, and until then... Bob Coddle, bail out, bail out! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did they call him White Lightning because he's so electrifying?
0: <laughs> I think so, I think so. White
1: Lightning, Lightning. Yes, yes, yes. Not Lightning, Lightning.
0: Excuse me, I think I called the white lightning earlier, but that is my mistake. Yeah, the on-screen graphic is lightning. So yeah, uh, it seemed like the Xavier was just kind of just getting going, and Caudill's like, "All right, we're out of here." Uh,
1: it was uh, my God. I mean, he's obviously trying to take digs at uh, WWE for some reason.
0: No, I think it's WCW. Oh, really? Oh. Because he talks about I think he's I think he's referencing Van Hammer, who is the guy who was uh, you know who's the rock and roll guy. Which I don't understand why he's singling out van hammer and wcw
1: (laughs) i I can't either because i wouldn't have even picked up on that
0: (laughs) i I believe that's what it is talking about the rock show and i this promo i didn't when i think of this i think of mountains when i think of mountains i think of smoky mountains When i think of smoky mountains i think of smoky mountain wrestling okay
1: yeah again promos are typically to like get somebody get something over further an angle sell some tickets what is the purpose of this? Because he just babbles on about God knows what. Thank God for Bob Coddle here. Bob Cottle <laughs> should have been higher on the OVP Royal Rankings just based on this interview. And, like, Bob Cottle just pulling the ripcord and saying, no, we're done with this shit.
0: I agree fully. Yes, we really should share this with the... Uh Michael Quinn and Joe Morata. This is Exhibit A right here.
1: Yeah, yeah. They need to revisit. <laughs>
0: yes, because he they, he doesn't, like, the, the body, and he, like, puffs his chest up. He's like, body, uh, 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 and Bob Carl's like, bodybuilding, yes, muscles, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I could try to pull <laughs> this interview out of this guy, this terrible interview that seemingly went in with no preparation whatsoever, and maybe he did prepare this, but whatever he prepared was absolute
1: garbage. Yeah, this is this is a guy who uh you know, saw me at a trial and passed on me. So screw you, Tim Horner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, he's a fiery baby face in the ring when it comes to the microphone, he's uh, pretty much a dud.
1: <laughs>
0: so this promo about nothing is actually on Mike Mills booking the territory account, so Mike Mills steals a scoop from me. I steal a promo from him. So f you, Mike Mills. <laughs> How you like that?
1: Oh boy, <laughs> I mean, there is there is no more there is no more uh, Brian Malone's Mike Mills feud, but the Mike Crockett Mike Mills feud is alive and well.
0: It's heating up, heating up. So you heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture. I guess you can find the link to the video to Mike Mills Booking the Territory in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. All right, we'll be back here next Monday for episode 152 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, here's the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko. And thanks for nothing.